Welcome to Smasher Pass, episode 10, part of the Smash Accept network of podcasts. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter, at DynastyDadFF. Guys, we are going to talk about running backs today. Before we do that, though, I mean, Nerd Boy, it's 10 episodes now, right? Like, we're, I don't know what that anniversary is when you get to your 10th one, but, you know, we're starting to starting to put it together and getting a, a track record of, of what the market values are and the, the name out there for Smasher Pass. Yeah, we're growing, man. We're doing, we're doing, uh, we're doing. It's uh, that not the smoothest intro. I think you're just too mixed up, and you uh, you have too much going on. There's Dynasty too many different Dad podcasts. Is, you have your hands in in everything right now, and it's hard to keep track of where you are and what's going on. But right, I'm gonna. I, I'm ex- I- I think in the next three weeks, I'm jumping on six different podcasts and then, you know, obviously doing all of ours. And we got Waldman coming in on Thursday. This week is like, I got one going on tomorrow. I mean, we're just trying to bring you the best content out there. We just want you guys to have fun because that's what we're doing. Mung, we're talking about having fun. You're in the living room right there. I see that sweet backdrop again. If you guys aren't watching on YouTube, you got to watch it. Mung, how you doing today, man? Hey, pretty good. Uh, I just released updated Dynasty rankings, so you guys can go check those out over at Fantrax HQ. Both one quarterback and super flex are updated. And, uh, of course, my rookie rankings currently are only available on our Patreon Discord. So if you guys are listening to this uh, and haven't checked it out yet, go check that out. And, of course, you guys can always find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. That was a perfect plug because, Mung, we are going to be starting Smash Except 9 and Smash Except 10. We kind of have a little bit of – we're going to launch them both. We, we started to fill the room of 9, and everybody's like, can we draft tomorrow? So 9 is going to be like an immediate one. We're going to do that soon here before the rookie draft. Smash 10 we're going to do afterwards. Being part of that Patreon Discord is how you guys get in there ahead of time, you know, and you guys get that preferential spot in here. Uh, Nerd Boy, we've been seeing in startups – the values of some of these running backs, you know, and I think you and I have both been like, Hey, if you guys wait to around seven, eight, nine, ten, you're going to get loaded up with some of these, these values of these running backs right now. I think, you know, we've, we've gone through the process enough where last podcast, I was saying, these guys are starting to become serious buys before the rookie draft, because as soon as the rookie draft is over, the stock of a lot of these guys, where if they don't go to the specific spots, the Alvin Kamaras, the you know uh, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, even you know obviously he has his own off the field things, but these guys if they don't get competition, those values are going to bounce right back, and they are depressed more than I've ever seen in years past. Yeah, I think this um, strong running back class is a lot of people scared to take that early jump on the running backs in, in startup. So I don't blame people for that because it is tough, you know, to take somebody that is probably going to either, you know, be replaced or be in a, a shared backfield and have that value plummet. Um, but at the same time, 
a lot of these guys are not going to get replaced or they're not going to have somebody that's going to share the backfield. And like you said, their value is going to shoot up. So you're going to get a workhorse in the 11th round of a startup. Um, and that's amazing, amazing value. Um, it's, it, it's fun to see. And it's something that I've really been itching for is to just see the draft happen. You know, I have anxiety um, pre drafting <laughs> of what's going to happen and who's going to go where and what kind of trades are going to happen. And I just need it to, to just go. I need it to just happen today. Cause I, and I there's been, sick of there's been a trade lull because I think a lot of people are in that same boat. Mung, we talk about it all the time, how, how cyclical dynasty is. And we know that those veteran players are discounted at this point. As soon as the rookie draft is over, they will no longer be discounted if they get to that point. And the questions I keep getting, everyone's asking what to do with those guys. And then they're asking what to do with the, the Pachecos, the Brian Robinsons, the, you know, all those running backs. To me, those are the guys that potentially get replaced easier than some of these other ones. But I mean, it's it's a lot to unpack. But how do you go about doing your dynasty rankings this time of year when it comes to that running back position? Because right now, I mean, a lot of people are saying, hey, you know, Rashad White's a nice buy. Not if Bijan goes there. You know what I mean? There's so many different scenarios where they're like, you know what? Bijan could go to Atlanta and Tyler Algiers is done. Bijan could go wherever he goes. He's going to decimate someone, you know, like that value is going to die completely. So how do you encourage people and how do you go about doing those, your rankings this time of year? Well, I think we touched on this a little bit last off season too. And the first thing to remember is you don't need a starting roster right now in April, much less June, July, August. You've got about five months before you need running backs on your roster. So don't let anybody uh, put leverage on you in terms of not having an RB2 or even an RB1, depending on what your roster looks like in a startup or if your running backs either retired or got traded or cut in the NFL. It does not matter right now this far, this early, I should say, in the offseason. So that's the first point to remember. And the second point to remember is that there's nothing wrong with just stashing running backs who might seem useless right now on the bench, right? I mean, look at last year, guys like Jared McKinnon, right, who blossomed late in the season. And if you're just holding these guys on your bench throughout the offseason instead of selling low on them or trying to buy high on a running back that eventually didn't perform, uh, then you manage your resources well. So, again, it's all about just looking for value in the offseason. And we've preached that quite a few times, I feel like, on past episodes, but it's worth reiterating that message. I like it. And one thing I've been looking at lately, and it just kind of a, a scenario here, nerd boy, that some of these running backs, let's take, let's say Joe Mixon, because we have a question about Joe Mixon. Let's just say Joe Mixon's value is more depressed than it's ever been. But as soon as, you know, they, we clear up some of the off the field issues, we're going to have a scenario here where he, he jumps back in, where people are, are able to, they say, hey, I have, you know, Nick Chubb. Should I offer Nick Chubb for Joe Mixon in a 24 first? I help someone get that deal done today. For me, if you're not 100% all in and you can get it 24 first and move from Nick Chubb to Joe Mixon, where if, if everything lines up properly, you're looking at almost equal production or at least 80%. Uh, same kind of thing I've been suggesting when it comes to, you know, Derrick Henry, when it, when it comes to maybe even, you know, Javante Williams is a little bit trickier type situation. But now I think is a perfect time to move off of some of these guys and add an Alvin Kamara. I mean, if you can move off of, you know, if you move a guy like, 
J.K. Dobbins and you can get a 24 first and maybe you throw a little bit back and get an Alvin Kamara. There are tricky ways to just try to incorporate these veterans in right now that I am literally, I'm getting so many DMs about these guys, but I'm like, you can buy them on the cheap. Let's find a way to get it done. Yeah, and that's the beauty of insulating a trade and getting pickback on one of these veterans so that if one of them don't work out, like if Joe Mixon gets suspended or if Kamara gets suspended and you're not getting any production from them for half of the year, you still have that 24 first to back you up. Um, worst case scenario, it it actually turns out to be a good first or, you know, um, at least you, you get that, that piece that is going to maybe help you in the future. Um, but it, it is tricky with these guys because I don't know. Nobody knows what's going to happen. You know, Mixon could get cut June 1st and fall on to a contending team. You know, he could be on the, um, the Phillies and he could, you know, he'd fallen in the end zone 20 times in a season or something, you know, um, I said the Phillies, but you know, yeah, the, <laughs> Hey, I'm in the Eagles. Philly area. So I'll take yeah, it. I'll take I, it. <laughs> I got, I got baseball on the brain today, but yeah, so that it, was our guy. Bad, bad luck. Bill from the discord. Shout out to him. And he was like, what do I do with Joe Mixon? And I think if you have Joe Mixon, I'd like to lump these guys together. Cause it's, it's Mixon, it's Kamara, it's Dalvin cook. And uh, I say to everybody, it's a hold, you know, and I think people are really starting to come around on listening to our rebuild. We just did our, our year two of the rebuild of what to do with that. And they're like, well, you said to sell the running back. So I'm trying to see what I can get for these guys. Now is not the time. Like you are not getting premium assets. You're not even getting a first. You might be able to get a first for Dalvin and Derrick Henry, but you're not going to get it for Mixon. You're not going to get it for Kamara. You're not going to get it for these guys in these range. And I think for me, I mean, it's just, it's got to be a hold. It literally is. I mean, that there's no other scenario where you can go unless you are trying to sneakily package it around, you know, and I think that's where you, we talk about, you know, making a disguise pick where trade where it's two for two, you're giving up Joe Mixon and a wide receiver and getting a younger running back and a different wide receiver who you prefer. And I think that's the only way you can really navigate veterans like that this time of year month. Yeah. And it's important to remember too, that even though we do have reports that, you know, maybe, the Vikings are looking to cut Dalvin Cook post-June 1, or perhaps um, the Bengals would cut Joe Mixon. It's possible that, one, these teams are still able to work out renegotiated deals to keep these running backs. And two, like you said, it's not as if their value is necessarily tied to that team, right? It's possible that if the Vikings were to cut Dalvin Cook Perhaps the Dolphins or somebody would sign him to a cheaper deal and it would actually improve his fantasy outlook. So like you said, again, don't take uh, don't take pennies on the dollar, even though their value might be depressed right now. Uh, they're either buy lows or holds. There's really nothing that's stopping you outside of playing in salary cap dynasty leagues from holding on to these guys on your bench or on your roster. And this is the time now where we're going to transition a little bit into rookie talk here, nerd boy. But it's like we talked about one through six is chalk. That's fantastic. Seven, I feel like it's still going to be a hot spot because someone's going to reach. But when I'm in that eight through 12 range, because I think, you know, we're very similar in there. You got, you know, you end up having Quentin Johnston. You have Jordan Addison, Flowers, Downs, you know, maybe Levis gets into that area. This is that area where... You know, if if no true running back, and I do feel like a guy bounces into that area, 
But if you have the nine, I feel like you can get a, you know, you, you start to move out of there and you start to try to go after some of these veterans. So if you're in that nine spot, you're like, hey, I know you really want to get in on this year's draft. Kick me Derrick Henry in your 24 first. I'll give you the 109 and a 24 second. You know, and I think this is an area where in draft, these running backs, because they're they're devalued right now, you can get them in your rookie draft and cash in on that rookie fever. Yeah, there are definitely guys that I would want to do that with. Gennad Harris that is pretty safe and mm-hmm. has that role in place that's not going to be impeded at all. There's no way that he's going to get anything taken from him, I think, next year. Um, so he's a safe buy in that 108, 109 range. I think once um, we see... You know, um, yeah, I, I, there's no way back. I can see that's going to jump into that range um, unless we we su- get a surprise like Zach Evans gets day two capital or mm-hmm. something. I think that would be very surprising. Um, but, yeah, even, even Jacobs, if possible, you know, maybe at the 108, maybe somebody thinks that they're – I'm going to see a dip in production as far as um, maybe losing out on some of the carries mm-hmm. from having such a large workload last year. Yeah. He could be a good buy at the 108 range. And I don't think I'm going to go buy Henry, Henry with the 108, yeah. though. I don't well, know. Well, no, I'm saying that, that was a. I was saying get that 24 first, one, two flip in there and then get yourself into yeah. to Henry. So there. But I, great, Jacobs is a great point because, you know, going off the trade value chart I have right now that we have in the Patreon, it, Jacobs is in that 106, 107 range. But then when you get to rookie draft, sometimes these guys, everyone gets that fever. You know what I mean? And you, you never know unless you get out there. You need to make sure during the rookie draft, Mung, that you're having the dialogue with people. You know, you're trying to. Hey, if, if people want to get in here, this is what I'm trying to do. When do you start having that dialogue and when is too soon? You know, I, I, you and I have been doing this for a long time. People always ask, you know, hey, you make a lot of trades when it comes to that rookie draft. How do you get set up for that? Are you making that conversation now or do you wait till closer to it so it feels like there's more anticipation? Yeah, I think the best way to look at it is and this applies to trades in general, not just rookie trades or during this time of year, but you have to look at the other team, right? Not just at the players that you want, but their actual positional needs. Um, Again, knowing the GMs in your league is so crucial in establishing those relationships because even if you're not sold on a particular player, but you know that someone else in your league really values speed, or size or college production, whatever it might be. And you can try and project for some of those targets for those other GMs in your league. Then you can look to potentially take a loss on a trade and take that risk of actually flipping that asset later on during the rookie draft. And also it's important to remember that in general, people are more likely to trade if you're just open about communicating, right? responding in a timely fashion. Again, these are more general rules of thumb, but really just maintaining those relationships. Even if you don't like a particular trade, a snarky comment could damage your relationship with that GM for future trades where they don't want to give you a discount or they don't want to trade a particular player to you, even if you're offering them a better deal. I like that. There's two guys that are polarizing right now and yeah i think someone purposely tagged all three of us in this trade guys tag us in the trades put hashtag smash accept uh 
it's Javante Williams. We we got to talk about him in the Discord. That was the biggest question of like, what do we do with Javante Williams? You guys have both been very um, vocal about what you you know you, what your value thinks of, of Javante Williams as well. I'm going to start, then I'm going to kick it over to Mung, and we're going to kind of debate this a little bit because you know Javante Williams. The, the particular trade that was on there was the 110 or the Javante Williams. On my trade value chart, I have him in that 1819 range, and I personally can't wait to see what he does in a Sean Payton offense. I mean, the, I love the talent. I think he has the best contact balance aside from maybe Kamara in the NFL. The injury is scary, so I get that. You know, and I want you guys to definitely talk about that. But when you're looking at that 1-8 to 10 range, you're giving up on Addison, Quentin Johnston, or Zay Flowers. You know, and, and that's kind of that area where you're at. I did, obviously, a, a thread recently on Zay Flowers, on Addison, and Josh Downs, those underside wide receivers, if you guys want to check that out. But it's Javante Williams. Nerd, nerd boy, we'll start with you. I mean, is he worth the 1-8 to the 110? What are you doing? Because this is an area where I think there's a lot to unpack, right? If you're a contending team, I don't have a problem trying to move off Javante Williams. If you're a rebuilding team, Javante Williams is the perfect running back for you right now because if he's not scoring points in the beginning of the year, he's making your rookie pick better. If you're in the middle, I feel like he's a, a decent buy-in there. Are you willing to invest that 1-8 to 110 range? Yeah, we talked to this in the pods. Javante Williams' injury is very similar to Dobbins um, in the sense that you know, it's pretty extensive and it's not just the ACL. Um, there's a lot going on there. And I think he probably will have a, a good, um, you know, year of just kind of taking it slow and not really jumping back into it. Um, as we saw with Dobbins, he was in a game, he was out of game. He was, you know, saying he was healthy and then he wasn't healthy. And it was just very messy to be an owner of Dobbins at one point in time last year. Yeah. Um, it didn't get good until probably week nine or week 10. Um, and then even then it was, you know, you're hoping for the best and it was still a little messy there. So it was almost a full year of no production from Dobbins. Um, and I pretty much expect that from Javante. So if you are a contending team, I wouldn't mind selling him for the 108 to 109 range. Um, I, I think 110, because I, I do have faith that he's going to that back and i think he's gonna have a revival especially under sean payton um mm -hmm. you know he's gonna be a, a what we hoped he would be i don't he's gonna have trouble fully regaining what he had um after injury but i think it's gonna take a lot of time and, and if a contending team have him, i don't think they want to wait that long um to get that production from him so i i think 110 is just a little bit out of there um I would buy him for the 110 if I was – it's tough because if, if you're going to be punting on the year, you don't really want to sell the 110. So um, I, think I think if I had him – Yeah, yeah the tricky part right now is like – so we said this about J.K. Dobbins last year, and J.K. Dobbins' value was like the 1.8. You know, that's where he was, and he, that's, that's where he was going last year. J.K. Dobbins' na value now is like the 111. Right. So we like as much as we, we saw that upside late there towards the end of the year, I think we have a similar type situation where it's like, hey, you, you invest in that one eight one nine range of Javante Williams now. And even if he 
I don't think he has a similar type season as J.K. Dobbins. I do feel like they ease him in there. But, I mean, even if he does, I feel like the talent and the age is going to keep him in that similar area, depending on what the draft looks. Mung, I know you've been a little bit lower on him, so let's let's unbox that a little bit as far as... It, there isn't anybody else in Denver right now. I mean, it's Chase Edmonds. There's not much there. So you have to believe that they draft a running back. How important is that to you know, the draft capital that we're willing to invest in Javante Williams. And I know you're definitely lower than consensus there. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. And I've mentioned before, I'm a little bit more risk adverse, especially when it comes to players returning from injury, especially multi-ligament tears for running backs. Uh, Add on the risk that Sean Payton did not draft Javante Williams, right? He was hired this past off season. So he may have different designs or views of how he wants this future backfield to look like. And I think it's a combination of lack of job security. And then, like you said, if we're comparing him to J.K. Dobbins from last year, right, Dobbins missed, again, a few games early on and then a stretch in the middle of the season as well. So if you bought for a first-round pick last year, then last offseason – you haven't really seen much return on that. One, the production wasn't there. And two, it's not like he's increased much in value. I think he's creeping in that late first range, depending Mm -hmm. on your league. But if you had waited until in-season or early in-season when he was struggling early on, you probably still could have bought Dobbins for an early or mid-second round rookie pick, depending on the league. So, yeah. There's just there's a ton of risk because the Broncos could add running back depth in the draft coming up, and there's not much upside because until we see him consistently produce, his value is not really going to rise. So I would not pay any first-round pick for Javante Williams right now. And I think the, the moral of this story more than anything is, and it's, it's the thing that we've created, is literally insulating trades. I mean, especially at the running back position – you got to be able to get those moves. I mean, you know, those are situations where you're getting Javante Williams and a first from someone above, you know, or you're moving Javante Williams for a first and someone else, you know, like make sure when you're getting those running backs, you insulate as much as possible on the same token in that same range. You know, I have him again in the value area around the one Oh eight is Tony Pollard. So Tony Pollard, the injury is not anywhere near the same should bounce back. How excited are we about Tony Pollard for this year, Nerd Boy? And are we worried about, you know, obviously Zeke could still come back on a restructured deal, but are we worried about draft another potential running back coming to town? I am mixed about Pollard. You know, I think he's going to come back fine from that injury. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, but I, I have my serious doubts that Dallas is going to go into the season with Pollard and Ronald Jones as the running backs for that team. Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't sound very Dallas Cowboys to me. Uh, I can't see that playing out without them either drafting or signing either like a Kareem Hunt or somebody in there to, to kind of lighten the load a little bit because Pollard, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is – you know, he's 205-ish. I don't mm-hmm. think he's – I think he's maybe just above 200 pounds. And I, I don't know if he's going to run, um, you know, 20 times a game. I think he's, he's he works to a role. Um, and I don't know if Ronald Jones is even going to be there for more than just death piece. So uh, I, I would expect them to take somebody, um, maybe not high draft capital, but maybe day 
three, um, have somebody to, you know, lighten a little, a little bit. But I think Pollard is going to be a solid RB, like a high-end RB2. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be really good in PPR leagues. And um, I, I'm not, I don't have any doubts in, in the 108 being his value. Um, I think that he could probably match that value come this season. Um, just based off of what we saw with him sharing the role with Deke, uh, he's – explosive when he gets the ball in the open field and um, he's got the hands to be a wide receiver in this league. So um, I think, you know, I'm, I'm feel pretty good about him for next year. Definitely. Even the new, the new running back in town that I, I expect to, to come. Yeah. And I'm glad you said day three. Cause I mean, like a guy like Kendra Miller, who Snoog is always, you know, raving about would be like a perfect fit there in that Zeke role. And, and I don't think Tony Pollard would, any of us are expecting three down back with a continuous workload. You know, like you get him 15 touches. He is a dynasty RB1 early, you know, early RB2. And I think that's kind of that area. Mung, anything to add to that, you know, Cowboys situation? And do you think, you know, I, I a lot of people are, I say, I've said it all offseason that Pollard's one of the safest running backs, you know, until he got hurt. But like we're talking about, he's in that safe range of, of avoiding the B. John Robinson. But you can never rule out Jerry Jones are doing something crazy. Right. I I don't think Bijan will go to Dallas, but like you said, you never know. Uh, the bigger concern, I think, is just I, I have more uh, limited expectations in terms of that explosive upside, but he himself said that he does not want to be a workhorse and that he struggles when he is given too much, too many carries or work uh, too much of a workload in a single game, right? So I do fully expect him to lead a committee in Dallas. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing to maintain his efficiency uh, without wearing him down too much week to week and keep him healthy, hopefully, for the entire season. I'd view him, I think 108 is about right in that same range as DeAndre Swift, who I think is a fair comp, where they're explosive and they're great receivers. But again, you're not expecting that kind of workhorse potential. I'm glad you brought up Swift because he's another guy that people keep asking about in the Patreon. If you had to choose, Mung, between Swift and Pollard, where are you going? I'd sell either for the other plus a second. I think <laughs> they're they're close enough where yeah. you want to get that added value because I do think some of those uh, touchdowns that Jamal Williams vultured constantly last year uh, will go to Swift if he is healthier this season. So, again, I think Pollard and Swift are, are pretty neck and neck for me. What about you, nerd boy? I know you're, I you're choose, a Swift guy. I do love Swift, and uh, he is one of my favorite buys for the year. But I think I would always take Pollard because of the role that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, Swift scares me. It's not that he scares me in the sense that I don't believe in his ability. It's just his usage um, from game to game is very up in the air. I don't know if that changes on a contract here. I'm really hoping that's the case. Um, but right now, I think Pollard is the more sure fire fantasy asset um, to week as far as production goes. Yeah, and I think we've been talking about those three guys a lot. I, I'm going Pollard over Swift. I really wish they would give Swift more of an opportunity, but we might have to wait till next year when he gets into free agency and, and kind of monitor how that goes. Another question from Beardown34. He said he's in a 12-team Superflex. He has the 105, the 108, the 111, the 203, and the 205, and he wants to get to the 106 to get Gibbs. Now, I had suggested to him, we talk about how big these tiers are, to deal the one eight and the two three to start, 
And then I said, I am literally willing to give the 1.8 and the 111 to move into 1.6. And I don't think you'll have to. I was like, maybe you get a little bit back there. How bullish should we be trying to get into that top six nerd boy? Because we all know that it's six and then it's, and we both, you and I love Charbonnet. So I don't want to like drop it way down. But even after, after him, it is a pretty stiff drop off. And we're talking about those guys in the top six are literally top three round draft capital. In a, in a startup, and I think they're only going to improve on some of those where eight, nine, ten gets a little bit more dicey. Yeah, so I think Sharp might not be there at one hundred eight. Um, I think I'm I'm really um, putting all my eggs in the basket that he's going to get day two capital, and he's probably going to slide up to that one hundred seven spot in most leagues. Um, so I think he might be gone by that point in time, and I would probably. I would probably throw the 111 on top of the 108 to get the 106. Um, it might not feel great at the time, but there is that massive, massive gap that um, is, you know, the 106 to the 107, um, you know, is is like the 101 to the 102 Yeah, in the sense that there might be an entire first between. Absolutely. Um, in we, you know, 106 might be the last of um, the first round. I think Gibbs might actually see that that end of the first um, draft capital. So it, it it does a huge difference in, you know, how these players are going to, you know, have a role in, um, you know, how these teams view them um, based off of that. Um, and Gibbs, of course, is on a different tier in general. Yeah. Um, compared to even Sharp. So I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that. Um I in would definitely people would hate that. Like they would just when I put that in the in the Patreon, I had somebody DM me immediately and they're like, that's bad advice. And I said, it's really not. Like you're taking the one eleven to move up from this the eight to the you know, the eight to the six. I mean, if you would you give the one eleven on top of uh, you know, on top of the two to get to the one, absolutely. There's those tier breaks in there. You have to be able to assess them and get in there ahead of time. Uh, Mung, we have another question from Nitty Lion 93 and this kind of goes with hand-in-hand hand with what we're talking about as far as what. how do you compare last year's rookies in, in, in the prospects of, we're looking at James Cook, Rashad White, Damian Pierce, and Tyler Algiers. How do you rank them as far as this year's class and should we be buying in those? Cause I think they're interesting situations. I mean, we'll start with Buffalo. Do you think James cook is going to be the guy? Do you think they draft another one and same with white and Pierce and Algier? I mean, I think all four of these situations, if they were going to be watching on draft day, if they avoid a big name going there, their value bounces back, but all four of them could literally have their values hit drastically I think Pierce a little bit less than the other ones because of bringing in Devin Singletary. But let's talk a little bit about these guys. Sure. And I don't think that Buffalo is looking to make any significant uh, or sink any significant draft capital into running back either. I think they're probably going to look to go wide receiver if they're looking at skill positions on offense. Um, but in general, I do think that Cook's upside is a bit limited with Damian Harris probably taking away some red zone work. And then, of course, Josh Allen uh, being the mobile threat that he is, running in some touchdowns as well. So Cook is probably going to be uh, more in a Kenneth Gainwell plus 
type role. Okay. Uh, I agree with your assessment that Pierce probably has the best shot because they, the Texans have needs pretty much everywhere that I don't know that they'll necessarily go running back. Uh, there's a small possibility that they would maybe grab Bijan at, I think they have 11, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. But overall, I, I think it's a little bit more risky for Algier because we could see Arthur Smith value a more blue chip type running back for his uh, offense where he does like to run a lot. And then who's the fourth one that you listed? Uh, the, we had Algier, Pierce, White, and Cook. Oh, and Rashad White. I, people seem to like Rashad White a lot. And I, I'm not so sold on him because, one, I do think that they're going to add another running back. And, two, just overall, that offensive line is still a mess. We don't know how efficient this offense is going to be on the whole without Tom Brady, whether it's Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, Will Levis, or whoever else they end up starting at quarterback. So I, I probably have Rashad White in that Algier tier where I'm probably a bit lower than consensus on those two guys, whereas I think Pierce and Cook are about right in that early second range because of the upside they have. Mm-hmm. But I also wouldn't expect you know top 10 seasons from these guys. So, Nerd Boy, we, I mean, we're definitely in agreement that, obviously, Gibbs is far superior to any of them, and Charbonnet is as well. I think a lot of the Dynasty community really has soured because they don't seem as sexy when we talk about Zach Evans, when we talk about Tank Bigsby, Devin A. Chain, Sean Tucker, Tajay Spears, uh, Bonaconda, Miller. Like, they, they're starting to back off a little bit. But in comparison, you know, and I think we both have Zach Evans a little bit higher. How close are these guys in ranks to those guys? Your, your Zach Evans, your A-Chain, you know, all those guys that we just listed compared to those rookies not named Walker or Hall last year. Um, I think from a prospect standpoint, they aren't close. You know, I think we got a little spoiled. Um, we're getting spoiled this year um, in the sense that all these guys are, are so they're, – they're coming from big schools. You know, they, they have been playing against great competition. Um, they all have really early breakout ages as well. Um, we are talking about – you know, Tyler Algier, who was drafted in the fifth round, I believe. And mm-hmm. um, I think James Cook has the best DC of all those running backs. And he was a late second, I I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Um, right. You know, we're not talking about guys that have good DC for the most part. Um, so I, I don't see maybe Cook to like a chain in – a way, you know, size wise, and um, I just you know, think I could, the I could explosiveness maybe see- of A chain is so much more. But I, I see where you're saying, like he would be the only one we can consider in there. And I think when we talk about those two year windows and everybody's two to three year windows when those running backs, that list that that you know was listed here by Nittany Love, you know, ninety three. Those are the guys we're talking about that have a two to three year window, right? Like the Damian Pierce potential is is not very long the Tyler Algiers we had that one year maybe he has a little bit happening in here where to your point this year's class if you have those second round picks there literally could be like eight running backs go in the second round I mean this is going to be fantastic value and guys that come in there where I was talking a couple of weeks ago 
these guys are absolutely going to destroy your handcuffs. I saw people, you know, trading Deontay Foreman and guys like that. These guys are going to come in there and be, I mean, you got to, there's going to be eight new running backs in there that are going to be in that secondary role. You know, you have the, you have Bijan and Gibbs, Charbonnet, and then there's about eight more guys who are literally going to be platoon players right off the bat. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be fun. Like I said, I want the draft to happen right now because I need to see where these guys land and and who they're they're gonna they're gonna definitely mess up um, quite a few guys. I, I can't see Atlanta not taking somebody. Um, I think with Damian Harris over in Buffalo, they are pretty safe. I think Damian Harris is a pretty underrated player in general, and he's going to be great at the goal line. Um, I think he's probably going to spell Josh Allen a little bit from uh, jumping to the, the goal line many times as he did last year. Um, but I, I – yeah, I don't know. I would probably sell any of these guys for any um, early to mid-second. Probably Algier and uh, – sorry – no, white. I, I would probably see mid to early. Um, Algier, I would probably take a late second at that point. But mm-hmm. um, they're sells to me um, for the most part. I mean, I, I like to sell all the running backs after the first year anyway. But that's a different that's a different story. It's the right move in, in those particular situations. Let's talk about. I, I think the guys that might be safe, you know, and that I think the dynasty community doesn't think for some reason, the value of Miles Sanders doesn't necessarily add up. I think Miles Sanders is one of the safest running backs right now because Carolina just invested there. They're going to invest in the quarterback. I don't think they, they still have a couple of, you know, younger running backs there that I think become that secondary guy there. Miles Sanders obviously isn't in Philadelphia anymore, but is the value still going to be there? And he's at that 202 to 204 range, which for me, I feel like we could still be seeing a rock solid RB2 who's under contract for, you know, going to be that guy for the next two years, Mike. I think Miles Sanders has become a patient buy for me. I, I like, I went from being able to sell right off the bat when he went to Carolina. Now I'm starting to come back around. Yeah, I like Miles Sanders for next year. Um, I want him to. Like last year was his best year, right? And from a and fantasy it probably po- will be. point of view. And yeah. It, yeah, and I don't think it will get any better than that. I think people need to temper their ex- expectations just a little bit to mm-hmm. remember what Miles Sanders was before last year. Um, he was definitely not a reliable fantasy starter for the most part. Um, but I, I think he will get that opportunity in Carolina. And <clears throat> I think the 201, 202 range is probably pretty good. Um, for Miles Sanders currently, mm-hmm. but I agree that he is a, a huge buy if you're going to get anything lower than that. You know, I, I see him going for like the 204, 205, and um, he is safe and he's not going to get drafted over right now. And um, he's definitely going to get the workload that we all need when we're, uh, when we're scooping up rocks that range. So I would definitely buy him up if I can for that, like I said, 203, 204 range for sure. And that is a spot where if you have that if you have that draft pick, the guys that I'm seeing in that range, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Rashad White, Miles Sanders, Damian Pierce, like if you need a running back, that is a nice area in that 202 to 204 range. Among um, Miles Sanders changes the situation here. I know, you know, I was looking at your rankings and you have him a little bit lower. Is it 
is there a quarterback that they get that makes the situation a little bit better? Or is it the rookie running back, the new coach, uh, kind of mixing it all together that has you a little bit more low on him right now? Well, part of it is the downgrade from, obviously, the Eagles' offensive line. Uh, Carolina's offensive line was actually better than I think many would have expected last year, but Mm -hmm. still an obvious step down from Philadelphia's. And two, like you mentioned, I I just don't think that there's going to be a whole lot of opportunities for receptions. That's never really been how Sanders has been used. So it's going to come down to touchdowns for him. And he scored, I think, 11 rushing touchdowns last Mm -hmm. year. And I would probably expect closer to half that, maybe six or so. Uh, probably under a thousand yards rushing if I had to project right now. So really, you're looking at a weekly RB two or flex. And while I think it's fine to pay a mid second for him, I don't know that you're going to be excited to start him week to week. And I just don't think that there's any reason to pay up for him when there are plenty of probably usable running backs in the same range of outcomes as him going for a little bit cheaper right now. So while he is fairly secure, I would say, and agree with your assessment in probably keeping that lead job in Carolina, I just don't see a ton of upside where I need to run out and buy him right now. I like it. Uh, a couple guys here, Nerd Boy, we're going to go with uh, just quick take. You know, we, we got maybe five minutes here. I just want to get a couple words on each guy. James Conner, what are we doing? Um, I would hold him. I don't think you're going to get the value that I think he deserves right now, but I think he is safe for the next year. Um, I don't see them drafting over him. So he's a, he's a hold or he's a cheap buy for, I think I would buy him for what I think you'd probably get him for a late second at this point in time. Mung, we did that 2020 show on going all in for the playoffs. And we were suggesting at that point, it was like, pay a 2021 second for James Conner and we were getting them done everywhere. Right. And then last year was the same thing in the, in the playoffs. We're like, Hey, you can pay a 2023 second for James Conner. Now he's still fetching a second. So those are those kind of guys where you just love that they perpetually have that same kind of value. Uh, Monk, David Montgomery, we in or we out. Depends on his price. Again, all these guys are not that different for me, right? We're expecting a touchdown-dependent role from David Montgomery, not all that different from Miles Sanders in Carolina. And I think whoever you think you can get for the cheapest among these running backs is who I would target, right? James Conner, I think, is probably cheaper than Sanders in a lot of places right now. So I'd rather pay less For for him or Montgomery for a running back that I think can hit 85% of Sanders' production or even outpace Sanders depending on what happens nerd boy Rashad Penny I'm seeing very polarizing deals with Rashad Penny some people are like hey they've had him so long with all those injuries other people are hey they're they're excited because they think he steps into the Miles Sanders role yeah sell sell him for any second that you can get I would sell him for a 26 second at this point in time so whatever I can get for him um, I would happily take Ooh, I was going to say 25, but you just went and you threw the 2026s. If, if those if there's dynasty leagues that have those 2026 picks in there, that is that is exciting stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you do the rookie if you've done your rookie draft already, then you have a 26 picks ready ready to be dealt man. right now. So that just that kind of just changed my whole philosophy on life. You just man, 2026, that sounds so far away. Yeah. But uh, they're they're available this year, so all right. Mung, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette is a guy I, I've 
you know, uh, shout out to Courtney from the Patreon. She, I, I convinced her to take Leonard Fournette, I think, in the 17th round. You know, like Leonard Fournette is that guy who we, we talk about all these running backs that really fell off. He was still RB12 last year. He's going to find a home. Like, this isn't a matter of, like, Leonard Fournette isn't signed because he's not a good player. I just think Leonard Fournette's waiting for the right opportunity. And what would you pay right now for Leonard Fournette? I feel like you can get him for a third. And if you're getting him in the 17th round of a startup with the potential of him, you know, signing with the right team after the draft, I I think there's definitely some value to be had with Leonard Fournette. I think late second is about right. I do expect him to latch on to a contending team somewhere, but right. I don't know that he's going to get a ton of opportunities. Um, a lot of his production last year was kept afloat by just tons of PPR checkdowns from Brady. It wasn't necessarily efficiency. And uh, I think he's going to be a, a better contributor to a real life NFL team than to a fantasy team. And I absolutely love that, but you don't have to pay that. I mean, we see where, you know, it, similar value-wise last year, he would have been in that same area as Aaron Jones. Now you're getting him five, six, seven, eight rounds later in startups. I mean, Leonard Fournette is is definitely a value. And just because he's not on a team doesn't mean you shouldn't be going after him. Uh, nerd boy, Jamal Williams. Right now, Alvin Kamara's suspension potentially looming. He, he sniped a boatload of touchdowns last year. Is he going to do it again in New Orleans? I don't know if he's going to do what he did um, in New Orleans. Um, as you know, I don't think he gets close to that, but I think he could be a great value for early season. You know, we're probably looking at maybe a six game suspension for Kamara, you know, I maybe four to six games. Um, so he's probably going to be the lead back for at least those the four to six games at the beginning of the season. Uh, and then I think from that point in time, he probably have the trust of the coaching staff and sit pretty heavily, um, you know, like we, we saw with him in Green Bay with Aaron Jones, where, you know, they, they pretty much shared that backfield. And that could spell Kamara, um, who's also getting a little there in age, um, mm-hmm. preserve him a little bit throughout the season. So I, I think he's a good he's a good buy if you can get him for, you know, the same range as Connor, like a late second, early third. Um, I don't know if people are going to sell him for a third right now just because everyone has that Kamara suspension in their mind. Um, mm-hmm. But if you can get him for, for that range, I would definitely buy. Last one, Mung, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? We, we've gone the full gamut now. And now what, what are the Chiefs going to do at running back? So we'll talk Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. What are we doing with the two? Honestly, I think they're just holds right now because I don't think anyone's paying up for Pacheco. And certainly CEH has that stink on him where I think most Dynasty GMs don't even want to look at him on the roster. So those are both strong holds for me. And I think like the Bills where a lot of people expect the Chiefs to add a running back, wide receiver is a bigger issue for both of these contending teams. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I would expect them to invest uh, high, like day one, day two draft capital into those positions. Yeah, and I think they're guys that get thrown in a deal because they're just trying to move them off their roster, like you said. I mean, everybody's thinking Gibbs will go to one of those two teams at the end of the first, but they both do need wide receivers. Guys, this was a fun show. We just wanted to kind of unpack some of this running back values, try to talk a little bit about where things are, you know, where you can buy players, how you can go about moving around in rookie drafts. Uh, We're going to close out. Nerd Boy, anything that you're working on, and then as far as, like, Anything else running back related that we're trying to move forward? Because I think 
the running back position is the most fun. This is the most, like you said, anxious I've ever been about running backs. That's why I put that thread out months ago where it was like, just push your running backs out now and buy them after the draft. Yeah, running backs are very scary. Um, that in the sense that, you know, you have a small window, you know, for your running backs and, and I would never shy away from selling a running back, um, and getting an insulated trade sense that, you know, you, you get somebody, um, that can match that production 80, 80 to 90% of that production and then getting a pick on top. Um, I think you should always try to be ahead of the curve with running backs because that window to sell doesn't stay open for as long as a receiver or a tight end or any other position in, in fantasy sports. So, um, you know, be, be wary of, you know, um, that window of selling a running back and, um, you know, just honor that listen to us and, and, and try to find the values and, and player, um, pick player to pick values that you can probably match up and sell those guys for, but, um, you can find me on Twitter at Nerdboy takes. And, um, I'm definitely hopping on a few different pods this week. Um, I'm going to be with Zoltan, um, on Friday, you can catch us doing a player break to Jalen hot. Um, and then you can also catch me on dynasty trades on Tuesday of next week, uh, Tuesday night, I guess after us. Um, so I'll be hopping on with them and talking about player values over there too. Yeah, I love it. I, I you ended up getting Jalen Hyatt, who's like one of your least favorite prospects, and then he talked. No one, there's been like 20 people on Zoltan's podcast. Nobody wanted Bijan, so he talked me into it. So I'm doing that one tomorrow. So it's like nobody <laughs> wanted got, to talk guys, Bijan. So well, I I asked him who nobody wanted, and he said Hyatt. So I said I'll just take that guy. You know. Um, yeah. So it's he's he's going to be tough to fill a 45 minute pod about, but that's fine. We can do it. <laughs> I love it. Among, I mean, awesome, awesome job on your rankings. You know, like I, I know over the last couple of years, like it, you just keep getting sharper and sharper with that. Um, anything else that's going out and any, any closing remarks there on running backs? Cause as I'm listening to nerd boy talk, I'm like, Christian McCaffrey's valued too high. <laughs> that's, that's my final take is like, he's going above Kenneth Walker in most startups right now. And I'm just like, we always forget running backs. It's like when they're hitting for us, we forget that the year before no one wanted Christian McCaffrey because he was injured, you know, and we, we just forget about those things so quickly when it comes to that position. Yeah. I'll sprinkle in a couple little uh, notes for as always the listeners who have made it all the way to the end of the podcast. Uh, first, I am a little nervous about Rashad Penny. I don't think the Eagles are going to take him uh, at 10. But I've been working on my first couple drafts of my NFL mock, and I actually have the Eagles taking Jameer Gibbs towards the end of the first. So I, I do like think they, they look to address running back in some way, shape, or form. So I'm a little nervous about Penny in that regard. And the second thing I will say is I think the most overlooked and possibly best landing spot for any running back, whether it's a rookie or a free agent veteran or a trade candidate, is Miami. Because right now they have Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. Both of those guys have struggled to stay healthy for mm -hmm. quite a bit of their careers. And we know that that offense can be so, so fantasy friendly in that Mike McDaniel system, which is an offshoot of that Kyle Shanahan offensive scheme. So those are my final two notes on the running backs. And you guys can always tag us in trades uh, about running backs or anything else. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. Charbonnet to Miami. Thanks again for tuning in, guys, and enjoy the